This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 670 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Trust Design. On our show this week, Anna Buffini joins us to talk about her whirlwind European tour. Then we have an auditor on to discuss our book of the month. And to finish it off, Reese and I will bring you a great trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you this week? <laughs> hey, Reese, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, actually, because you were off teaching clinics and stuff. And I've been I know. Super busy with preparing for our first horse show of the year, I guess. And, uh, yeah. you know, so we had to record shows. And now we're <laughs> actually doing this one early as well to yes. try and get some interviews and yeah. in, what we call interviews in the bag so we can, <laughs> you know, continue to uh, give the podcast out while we're running around the country, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I have our big horse show this week. This is a really busy week for me because it it's really the only time that my dressage horses and my event horses show together. So it's all at the horse park. But <laughs> if anybody knows the horse park, just because we're on the same facility and property, uh, they're not close. So, um, which is fine. I really get my exercise, which is great. And definitely have, uh, you know, calling some friends with golf carts, but it's super fun. But we're also really busy getting everyone ready, which is great. I am going to show, maybe show, I I entered um, a fairly green horse. And so we're going to go to the horse park. And, you know, I think this is just a great, Thing. And, and, and I've set the owner's expectations, my expectations. Uh, we've been really taking this horse places so that he um, gets off the property. And uh, so we're going to go on Thursday and he it technically doesn't show till Saturday, but um, we're going to just let him see the horse park. We're just going to, the horse show to me is irrelevant. I really want him. That's a, that's a big venue and uh, much bigger than he's ever seen in his life. So we're, we're gonna we're just gonna have a good time and I'm gonna coach and have this horse there and he'll be out quite a lot we'll walk him around lots of grazing uh, so that he enjoys the experience so looking forward to that so we do have a busy show this week uh, looking forward to that so we're gonna get right to it and we hope you enjoy after this break from Kentucky performance products This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Did you know that easy keepers and horses on restricted diets are often at risk for vitamin and mineral deficiencies? Most easy keepers are maintained on hay, and some get a few handfuls of grain a day, and most of these horses get little to no green grass. Diets that don't include significant levels of green grass or recommended amounts of fortified concentrates just don't supply enough vitamins and minerals. Many horse folks don't realize that hay alone, even high quality green hay, is not an adequate source of many vitamins. For example, when grass is cut and dried for hay, the vitamins quickly lose their potency. 
70% of the vitamin E found in grass is lost in the first week after it is cut for hay. One way to ensure that your special needs horse is getting all the vitamins and minerals he needs is to add a vitamin and mineral supplement to his diet. A well-balanced supplement will provide the nutrients your horse requires without adding unwanted calories, starches, and sugars. Microphase, made by Kentucky Performance Products, is a vitamin and trace mineral supplement that bridges the gap in your feeding program. With Microphase, your horse receives adequate and balanced vitamin and mineral nutrition without unwanted calories or other ingredients. The minerals in Microphase have been chelated, a process that protects minerals during digestion and increases their absorption in the intestine. Microphase provides vitamins, such as vitamin E, in a natural form so your horse receives optimal results from this supplement. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we have such a treat because we have Anna Buffini, who is now a top-class international rider who rode for the United States and represented us at the World Cup and also on a European tour. Seriously, Anna, I'm so excited to have you on tonight again. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are so fun to talk to. Well, we have been watching. You know I've been stalking you. Every post, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. But truly, you have been on quite an adventure with your mayor. And I want we wanted to bring you back on to share what it was like to, I mean, I have chills talking about going down the center line at the World Cup for you. It was amazing. So we wanted to hear from you what it was like. Well, I have to first say a big thank you to my incredible mayor who has blown everybody away including myself, we really just got her, like I said in the last podcast, to um, replace a horse, my top horse that passed away, just to have a horse to get in the ring. And the fact that she took me to three Nations Cups teams and World Cup is absolutely mind-blowing. And even now I find myself getting emotional every day I get on her because I'm so grateful to her. The funnest part, one of the funnest parts of the whole year was qualifying for World Cup. So I went to Wellington in January and the very first show, we showed about seven days later, and she got a 78 in the freestyle and second place to Freddie, who was on the German team. And um, it was our first ever night freestyle. So that in itself was just the most incredible experience. And then Gunther and Freddie were like, okay, you have to try for World Cup now. And so we did the next World Cup qualifier, and she got a 77, and she got more points. And everybody was like, okay, you have to do the next one. And there was a lot of pressure because we had to place top three. And there were some good riders in that class. And so that was definitely the most pressure I felt in a long time at a show. And the first day, I made a few mistakes. We weren't clicking. And the second, and we didn't even place top three. And so going into the freestyle, there was 10 times more pressure. And she ended up giving the performance of a lifetime and we won the class and qualified for World Cup. And it was like such a storybook moment of like the comeback and the setup and and making it to the world's biggest stage with that spicy mare. And then we prepared to go to World Cup. And I remember like, I didn't really prepare myself for what a big deal it was. I was just like, I'm going to the World Cup. This is a dream come true. This is amazing. And then I get there and I'm like, this is a big deal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <I> yeah. think, 
<laughs> you, yeah, you actually have to ride, yeah. right? You yeah. can't just qualify yeah. and, you know, yeah. that, that'd be it's the pinnacle of it. I mean, yeah. 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 yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is special. There's only like <laughs> 17 dressage riders and like 40 jumpers and a few vaulters and, and the um, the driving horses. And I was like, there's not a lot of riders here. This is quite special. So I think I just, I was so focused on competing. I didn't really think about the show I was going to. And so the first couple of days, I really got to just soak in the show that we had made it to that I've dreamed of my whole life going to. And I just got to like look around and I tried to share videos on my Instagram before the show. And just to be like, it was just, it's a convention center, you know, where people do seminars and stuff and trade shows and they turn it into a horse venue. It was unbelievable to see. So there was like the makeshift stalled inside one area of the convention center. And then they bring in, you know, tons and tons of footing to the next two places. And then the arena was unbelievable. It was just like, I don't know, 12, 15,000 seats surrounding this huge dirt arena. And then outside of it are all the vendors and to go in there empty was like huge and breathtaking and ominous. And then when you get to the show days and you can barely even walk because there's so many people flooding through the arena for a horse event, which is so foreign in America but if you go there and it's yeah. like a normal sport for them, it was just unbelievable. And looking back, it's so surreal. And then we got to the competition days. Well, the, the jog day was super fun because a lot of times you have to wear, you want to look professional for the jog and wear a, an outfit. And a lot of times we have to wear outfits that are maybe a little bit more old fashioned or very basic and plain. And I was, I was just like, Ashley, can we please, spice it up and wear something professional, <laughs> but like fashionable. Yes. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, let's do it. So I like searched and searched and I, we, we picked out these like adorable jog outfits and it was so fun. Really and it was like, everybody was talking about it. It was really cute. Was <laughs> tell everybody what they were. Cause so, they were super cute. Can you tell everybody what they, they were? were <laughs> yes. They're um, Venus. I think they sell like swimsuits, but apparently they sell jeans too. <laughs> so it was like these, <laughs> Um, embroidered jeans and it had like white they're blue jeans and they had white flowers going all the way up the leg and then they were blue shoes with white stars on them and then we wore our USA jacket so it was a very like it was still very on color theme but um, just a little more trendy so it was very and then we both wore high ponytails and makeup and it was really really fun so um, just little things like that add so much to the experience that you remember that you plan out that you think back gone um so jog day was really cute and fun and then I, again it's like there's so many more things you have to go take a picture that they put up while they play your clip my horse the grooms take a picture after you're done with the jog they set up this huge black sheet for the horse to have its picture for all the press and stuff so it's just a huge deal and there's so much that goes on and the work they do behind the scenes is amazing that you don't ever see in a normal show and then the show day came and I drew first, which is always just a bummer. And in, in a yeah. way, you know, it, I couldn't yeah. be bummed. It was my first World Cup. It was, we knew going in, we're not winning the thing. So it was more so just to do our best and have a good experience. But it's always a bit disheartening to draw first. And you have to warm up the judges and, and all that. So we went in there. And I remember in the warm up, again, it was shocking. There was, a thousand people standing around the warm up to watch you and there's vendors 
all around the warm-up arena, and there's a big screen so you can watch uh, the riders going before you and stuff. So it's just everything's just a huge deal. It's like so much bigger than you'd expect, and um, that was really really interesting to warm up. And your horse is already picking up the the show nerves, and you have to really focus and concentrate. I remember being a bit nervous in the warm up, like you know normal show show nerves, and then I was going in there, and I think by the time I like was going outside the arena just to to canter around like all the nerves went away, even though there was 10,000 people in the stands, just because I was like, this is another sandbox. This is my horse that I've trained on for so long. And I get to do what I love right now. And I just remember feeling so excited and so just grateful to be there and be in the presence of the other riders that were there. And, um, just to represent my country and my coaches and my family. And it was good. I think there was like one mistake. She gets very nervous in the rain back. And it's a very hard thing to fix. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yes. She made a mistake in rain back. And then she made a mistake in the zigzag. And really, it was, I mean, again, it was all really from nerves. So it's nothing like, oh, you know, that we trained this and it didn't happen. Like everything we trained really happened super well. You can't blame your horse for being nervous in front of 10,000 people. It was my first indoor show. It was her first indoor show. So um, it was, she just. To, to go first in the World Cup and to lay down a solid test, I was just so pleased and so proud. You you can't feel disappointed and you can't feel down because of the realistic expectations that we had and also just like how how great of an experience it was and how surreal it was. And then afterwards, Gunther told me that Isabel Wirth and Patrick Kittle and some of the German coaches came over um, to watch our ride and they they told Gunther how well he had done training her. And that honestly was the highlight for my world cup. Um, more than anything, that was really special. You made a really great quote about Gunther, a good coach. Did you, do you know that? Remember that quote that you made? Yes. So that is a, can you tell everybody the quote? Cause it's a great quote. Yes. Yes. It's from John Wooden. It's a good coach can change a game, but a great coach can change a life. And that man has changed my life in so many ways. I can never pay him. He's the reason I ride how I ride. He's the reason I will, if I'm able, whatever success I'm able to accomplish, it's because of him. He's so incredible and patient. He's so skilled at what he does. And more than anything, like I think all riders have had hard paths with previous trainers and previous barns and experiences. And he truly um, has changed my life from where I've come from and I will never shut up about it. <laughs> and it's all oh, over my just, social media always. Yeah. It's very sweet to see. I mean, you can just see you, you know, how, what a great relationship you two have. And it's just, it's just fun to watch. And and he's been your coach a long time. So um, to, to hear that on the international stage, like gives me goosebumps. It's just amazing. So I actually cut you off. You're going to go to what it was like to do the freestyle. So I'm going to send you back that way. Yes. So morning of the freestyle, we went to do sound check. And again, it was so cool. So like you have to take shuttles back and forth from the hotels. And I took my car because I've done this last year. I'm lucky I've been here before. I'm grateful USDF sent me because you get so much experience. And when there's shuttle service, you can never trust that the shuttles will be on time. There's always too many people and too few shuttles and it's no one's fault, but it's, it's just a popular experience. So 
um, I ended up driving Gunter and Patrick Kittle and Charlotte Fry, and we we all became friends because we had to be shuttled for each other. So that was another really cool experience. So we all went to sound check together in the morning. It's fun because I get to icing on my freestyle and it started playing and Gunter was taking video of it for my parents. And, you know, sound check isn't really a big deal. So they were kind of like, why are you videoing? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, cause she sings in this freestyle. And they were just like shocked. And they were like, that's crazy. We can't believe that. Um, so that was fun. And then we have to wait all day. Cause the freestyle started at, I think, eight o'clock at night. So, you know, you take him out for, it was tough. We take him out for a stretch and then we pulled her out again for the freestyle. And that was buzzing. I think there was more people for the dressage freestyle than any other event. Almost even the jumping, it it was either equal to or more than the jumping, which is just incredible for dressage. You always want to see that. And so there's twice as many people. There's, I don't even know how many people were just watching the warm up. And then um, she was feeling it. So she wasn't quite (laughs) as scared the second. (laughs) She wasn't as scared, but she was on fire. And I remember telling Gunter in the warm-up, I was like, I'm going to just have to sit here and be the best possible, quietest pilot I've ever been in my life. And he was like, I see that. And I agree. So um, (laughs) she was just on fire. And I just had to really sit in and be quiet and be like quietly strong and give her very soft aids because, um, and every, everybody had to deal with it. It's an electric environment. The people are so close. It's so loud. It's so buzzing. It would be unfair to expect your horse to just go in there and feel normal. So, um, thankfully Gunter is so great in preparing me mentally for all of this. So I expected that, but also you still have to deal with it and you have to ride it. And so I remember just thinking, this is going to, I'm going to have to ride the most skilled I've ever ridden in my life in there. And so we had a very good warm up, And then I just remember going in there and again, the same thing happened. I just go in there and I literally just forgot about the nerves and I forgot about that. I was riding at world cup and I, in a good way and not in the way that like I take it for granted, but just like, I'm just here. I've done this so many times. I've trained hours and thousands and thousands of hours for this. And so we just went in and as soon as that music hits, especially for me in the freestyle, I connect with music so much. It was just home. And then when I'm on Diva, I'm home. And that's a beautiful thing about riding wherever you travel, when you're on your horse, whatever arena you're in, you're home. And so I just remember having so much fun, but at the same time, it being the hardest ride of my entire life because they're so electric. If you make one wrong move, the entire test could fall apart. I mean, I could see how, (laughs) and there were a lot of horses we saw that had trouble that night and it's just so electric. There's so much energy. There's so much pressure and nerves. It's very hard. And it's, again, you have to be fair to the horses. They're not machines. They're going to pick up on the energy and you have to be understanding that it's very hard for them to go in there and focus. Besides one mistake in the two tempies, she laid down an absolutely solid test. And I just, the end of her test was probably the best ending of a test I think we've ever had um, with the Piaf Tassage and the extended try. It was the biggest extended try she's ever done in her life. And let me tell you, I did not push an ounce for that extended try. And it was huge. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> she was I love flying. It. I just sat there. <laughs> 
<laughs> at the end, he was like, I thought you were going to trot right out the arena. <laughs> and you're like, well, well I was, yeah, um, so did I. <laughs> I, I, there was a chance. I wasn't sure either, but I was hoping she would. <laughs> oh, um, so she was absolutely on fire. She gave me a great feeling during the test. And I said on Instagram, I'm going to go home and work harder. So I never have to draw first again in a show like this. That is the only <laughs> thing I'd like to fix. <laughs> Yes. And, and that's on world ranking, isn't it? That's how you sort of, you know, the younger, younger rider, younger combinations, right. will go first. That's how that happens. Right. Typically. Yes. Typically. So funny enough, I actually was middle of the pack for world ranking, but what happened was I qualified second as a U.S. rider. So one of the riders will be drawn in the first group and one of the riders will be drawn in the second group. So she was actually 40th in the world going into world cup, which was, um, it was probably, it was top ten of the field we that's, were in. Yeah, but we amazing. had to get drawn in the first class because, um, or the first group because Ashley Holzer was the first American to qualify. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes that it yep. gets it, you North have American. to understand. North American. North, North sorry, American. Sorry. <laughs> From our Canadian coach. <laughs> yeah, we used to we used yes. to get our own our own um, spot on the at the world cup. And then, you know, we got thrown together. So I think it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, a, yeah. we're a group. Yeah. Canada. Yeah, America, you're right. That's a whole nother thing. It's, there's yeah. two spots for all of us. Yeah. It's wild. Well, Anna, you didn't end your trip there, right? I mean, you had a little break and then you went to horses and dreams, which looks like an amazing competition. It's unbelievable. Everybody told me how fun it was. And I had never watched it that closely. And it's literally like a mini Aachen. It's the funnest show ever, really. Is there good shopping? I'm just saying. I just really yes. need to know these. Um, the shopping over there, guys, we can't even tell you enough. So tell us a little bit about that show so people understand where you went. Horses and Dreams is one of the funnest shows I've ever been to in my entire life. So we went straight from Leipzig to Hagen. Um, where Castleman is. It's one of the oldest farms, I think, in the world, really. There's so much history there. And Freddie and Lars are my friends, so I got to also stable with my friends, which is great. And it was amazing seeing the show being set up from the ground up. They do so much work. It was unbelievable. The shopping is amazing. The tests, the arenas, the showgrounds, it's immaculate. It's so fun, too. The vibe you can tell everybody loves the show. It's such a, a, a joyful vibe, which is what you always want for a show. And then again, just seeing the best of the best compete again, just two weeks or 10 days after Leipzig was just mind blowing. And in Europe, you have to become, you have to be top 15 just to make it to the second day. And Gunther flew all the way home from Leipzig and flew all the way back for me to coach. And I had to get top 15. And I was like, he is not going to fly all this way just for me to not make the second day, which is a very real thing because uh, I think Isabel again was in my class. Freddie was in my class. Um, huge names, huge horses. And she went in there and we put down one of the best Grand Prix she's ever done. And uh, we came, we were ninth place and we qualified for the freestyle. 
And so we got to prep for the freestyle. She was, she was still on fire from Leipzig. She still had adrenaline. So we had to ride her every single morning before the test, which is not normal for her. She's usually cool as a cucumber, but she really got her blood pumping from World Cup. (laughs) So we had to cool her off every morning. And um, she went in there for the freestyle. And it was just one of those magical rides where everything is clicking. Everything you've worked on is like coming through. She was focused. She was ready. And um, she put down an incredible test and got a 78. And I remember I was in the first group again. There was, um, there was 10. And the, or, no, there was 15. And so I went back down. I was eight to go. And I went down all the way down to the stables. And I just sat there. And my mom was texting me. My dad was calling me. And we were like, oh, that was so great. Like, I don't care if I'm in the bottom of the pack after that. It was unbelievable. We were so happy. And the next rider went and she was still first. And the next rider went and she was still first. And these were like horses and riders that went to the Olympics last year. And the next one went and she was first. And I was like, this is amazing. Wow. We are in like eighth place. If if everybody else beats us, we'll be in eighth place. I could not be happier. And then the next one, she was still in first. And the next one. And that's when I was like, sixth place. Unbelievable. What a great show. And I even like, I made an Instagram story and I was like, I am so proud of this mare. We finished sixth place in Hagen. And then the next writer went and she was still in first. And so I was like, well, can't use that Instagram story because I said six. (laughs) And then the next one went and she was still first. And so there were three left and they were three of the best horses in the world. So naturally they got first, second and third, but for her to end up fourth, in Hagen, one of the biggest shows in the world, um, and just this little powerhouse mare that, you know, and nobody expected this from her was unbelievable. I still get chills from it. I still, that's easily one of my favorite show memories I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. Well, it doesn't surprise me, Anna, after, you know, getting to know you through the show and seeing you, seeing you and seeing you develop, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, um, we were just so proud of you and truly you're just a pleasure to watch your pleasure to root for. And we're like huge fans here on the show and, um, we could keep you here all night, but I want you to tell everybody how they can find you online and kind of watch your journey and I have one last question, which is what's next for you guys? Yeah. Um, I <laughs> am really starting to prep for next year. Um, she tried real hard and she didn't make the list for the long list for WEG. So, and it wasn't our intention in the beginning, but we were like actually getting close. So, um, yeah, they, they decided not to pick us. And um, there's an incredible group of riders going. So I'm very excited for them. So she's really preparing for next year now. And we're going to come out and do the, the shows in Thermal, which we're so excited to have shows in California. Hopefully, Fiantini and I will make our debut next year. So that's the plan. And then I have some incredible young horses coming out. So I mean, I'm even, I'm just as excited about next year as this year. And then if you want to follow along and see some backflips and massaging around, (laughs) I'm on Instagram. That's where I post the most, Anna underscore Buffini. Um, And if anybody, I always tell people, like, if you're a young rider, if you're an older rider, like, reach out anytime. I really think the most important thing you can do in this sport is give back. Um, So if you need help, if you need advice, if anything, like reach out to me, my DMs are always open. So please um, do not hesitate to ever ask for anything. 
Well, as always, Anna, we're always so thrilled to have you on our show and uh, we can't wait to continue to follow your career. Thank you so much. It's always great to be on here. I really appreciate it. This is Sophia Aguilar. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And I'm Mike Donnell. We're here to tell you about OISA, the Western and English Sales Association, and its podcast, Wisdom by OISA. OISA produces the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives in the equestrian industry. On our show, we talk to people who tell the stories of some of the best-known Western and equestrian brands. Visit wisdombyoisa.com and tune in today. Well, for tonight's book review, we are so excited to have my new friend from Lexington. We've met at a couple auditors' events, but we are now new friends. And uh, we're going to review Gerd Heuschman's The Balancing Act. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We're thrilled to have you. And uh, how long have you been an auditor of the Horse Radio Network? A couple of years now. Excellent. And tell us about yourself and in your riding endeavors. Um, well, I'm currently horseless. I'm actually um, pretty on sound. I have a pinched nerve in my back, so mm. I haven't been riding much of late. But it's definitely increased my interest in like horse soundness and just like it's so difficult to diagnose a human who can tell you what's happening. And then we add horses in and we're like, how do we ever figure out what the root cause of their unsoundness is? Yes. And actually, this book would be a perfect book for you on that quest, right? Because yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. I mean, I, I found this book fascinating. I was I was out teaching a clinic this weekend and working a lot on alignment with some riders and then, you know, read even more of it on my way home tonight uh, or today. And alignment was such a huge part. So kind of tell us what your thoughts were on the book. So I'm more of a jumper than I am a dressage rider. So for me, the dressage has always been like physical therapy so we can jump more jumps and not break down. Um, like I don't, I don't do dressage for doing dressage. So it's a great book from that approach. I was a little concerned, like, it's written by a vet looking at the front cover. I was like, uh, my anatomy is a little rusty. Am I, but there's really not much anatomy in it. Like it, it's the most simplest anatomy necessary to convey the point, which I like. Me too. It um, was intimidating, right? <laughs> when you first look at the book and you kind of leaf through it, you're like, Oh, oh, like this is intimidating. Yeah. I, I actually did when I first leafed through it. I thought, whoa, this is pretty intimidating. But I agree with you. Like he did a pretty good job of using, you know, some basic anatomy, which is helpful. We all need to know that. So I agree with you completely because I felt the same way. So if you've opened the book and looked at it, everybody, right. keep going. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you, you look at it and there's all these diagrams and you're like, uh, I haven't taken an anatomy class in a long time. But once you get into it, it's all very easy to understand. You don't need to know your, you don't need to be current on your anatomy. You don't need a super in-depth understanding of biomechanics. Like it does a very good job of explaining it from the ground up. For sure. I mean, and, and uh, you know, Reese and I, as we were reading it uh, over the past few weeks, we, you know, we, we talk on the show or before, before and after the show, you know, like, how's, how's the, how's the book going? And, you know, and for me, as maybe a little bit of a critique of, of this book, 
um, you know, the first few chapters are really concentrated on a, a little bit of a, a critical view on on yes. competition dressage, and and that you know I I didn't I don't always agree with that because I don't think it's fair on on riders. I you know I have the belief a positive belief that everybody wants to do the best for the horses for the sport and 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 you know all of that kind of thing even though that there can be some bad actors or some incorrect riding and 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 all of that so i i really don't like it when people get negative about dressage in general but i mean he makes a few really good points about we have to return always to the classical principles and you know and that kind of thing and then he moved on uh, to why and 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 then you know why he says these things and and of course there's uh he has this discussion about back movers versus leg movers which is something that um you know in dressage circles and and nerdy dressage people we're always talking about this um (laughs) subject back movers versus leg movers and uh, you know when we're purchasing horses and you know all of this things and i thought you know after he critiqued the sport and and brought the idea towards why and how we we can we can do better i i really enjoyed it because it was all the all the classical principles that you know i've tried to stick to or and, and i've tried to learn more about and you know the reasons for you know really straightening horses and you know, like all the exercises and and all this stuff it really brought it together for me and 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 then i ended up by the end of the book i ended up loving it because it was mm-hmm. uh, it was explained so well and also like the biomechanics of it was you know the diagrams were awesome the, the his his points were awesome it it was in the end a really awesome book he, he you know kind of but going into it i i think it was a, it was a little bit like oh you know kind of oh here you know here we go or or it's something like that i don't know reese can you can you help me out with this or, or amy you can you can jump in i i would say the same thing like the first at least the solid third i was like okay, nobody reading this book is unaware that there are problems at the upper levels. But also, most people reading the book are not the problems at the upper levels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just I think, didn't yeah, really... I exactly. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I know. But like, let's get to the point where we prevent this and we solve this. Yes. I totally agree with that statement. You know, so I think that was a really good... And in, I think the points were valid. And I think... Um, you know, points about judging. And, and and again, Philip and I have always tried to take a really positive view on things. We, 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 we have always said that about the show. So at first we were a little bit like, whoa, uh, but if you, once you get past that and you get past to what are the things and how do we fix it and how can we, in Philip and I's case, how do we train riders to do better and how do riders get better? I think that was really a great thing that happened in this book. And there are very valid points. So I think, you know, you goes down to correct education, right. And having the the right education with an understanding alignment and how horses bodies work. And at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all here to do. And honestly, people that are probably listening to this podcast and are seeking out more information are trying to do that. So I think, does that make sense how I'm saying that? Right. Anybody buying this book is like aware that there's a problem and trying to fix the problem. They don't need to be convinced that there are things that can be improved. 
Yeah, but I think, you know, I think like like we're all saying that he did a good job at the end kind of giving some real solutions yeah. to the problem, which was super. So anything yes. that stood out with that for you? He had a suggestion of like adding additional collective marks, which I mean, we all know like any change to any competition is not actually easy, but that sounded like on the scale of changing rules a fairly easy thing to do that I, especially at the lower levels, I could see working well. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. You know, and I think just talking about, you know, he had a point in time when he was talking about working with your veterinarian on soundness. And I thought that that, that was really interesting, right? Cause like you were saying with your own body, it's hard enough to diagnose a problem. You know, a lot of times it is difficult when with horses because you do get, horses aren't happy or my horse is rearing or my horse doesn't want to go forward. And there's so many different pieces to that puzzle and they're not that a horse can tell us, you know, so it is hard to investigate when the signs, it is hard to find the signs. Right. And I thought that that was interesting as well. I I really liked, you know, that, that he talked about like how veterinarians perhaps need a little bit more background in, in the training of the horse you know, he's obviously got, you know, he's he's a he's a veterinarian, but he's also got his bariter, and so he's got he's got perspectives from both sides. And I think, uh, you know, the point he was making is that you know a veterinarian should be able to observe and address maybe some 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 training issues or some obvious training issues, um, and riders should also kind of listen to the veterinarian about, uh, you know, because it, it comes down to alignment and posture. If you're training it daily wrong, it will cause soundness issues. And if you if you don't address the training of the horse, the soundness issue will never get better. I mean, you can rest the horse. You can, you know, there's a million new treatments and, and things that will work, but it'll only be kind of temporary. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he gives, and he gives really, he does talk about sort of what are some, you know, at the very end, just basic rules of conduct in horse sport, you know, how you should behave and how, sh- you know, and I think that those are always a good reminder. You know what I mean on how on how things should be handled, and maybe Phil will go through what some of those are. But you know, I think he does give some solutions, and uh, I agree. I think you know it's always working together as a team with your veterinarian, and we can all educate ourselves better. And um, I hope that that book did that for us all. And um, uh, you know, Amy, we are so thrilled you were able to read the book with us, and you enjoyed it. And can you tell us a little bit about why you like being an auditor to the Horse Radio Network? Well, there's the extra content at the end of Horses in the Morning, which is usually um, pretty funny extra content. <laughs> and then the Facebook group is just like, it's a very positive, very supportive, like no one is ever going to tell you not to buy the horse. Ever. <laughs> You're always going to get told to buy the horse in that case. Uh, it, that is it, so true. Get told to buy the saddle, like yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Now that I like, that is so true. Yes, that is an it's awesome a fun group. group. It's a really fun group. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, Phil, sometimes you need to jump. Stop telling me not to buy the horse. Like, come on. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that was great. It is. It's an incredibly supportive group, which is so fun. And, you know, you get to do cool stuff like this. You get to come on the show, have a book to review uh, and be part of part of our network as well. So we are so thankful you were able to come on and you read the book with us and uh, that you have enjoyed being an auditor of the Horse Radio Network. And 
Phil and I will have a, bu- a new book coming soon. We will be in touch as soon as we finalize it. And if you have any horse and rider books again, thank you so much for what they, they are great supporters of us and we enjoy working together as we pick the books. So thank you guys. And we hope you enjoy, uh, you enjoyed this book and future books coming. Well, Phil, I am so excited and I know your owners are very excited and you are as well, that our horses are going to look so good at their competitions and their trust design halters. So I'm really looking forward to it. Zip is going to wear, I don't know, I think we may wear the blue one to the horse show. So he gets to hang out and um, be really fashionable in our trust design halters. And you guys are showing next week um, and we're off that week. So you guys will be able to be really, really beautiful at the horse shows. So these are great products. You can look on the website, trust design and Phil, you have a discount code for us, right? Yep. If you want uh, 10% off, you just have to enter HRN into the coupon code before checkout. So Thank you to Justin for the discount code for all of our listeners. For our trust design tip of the week, Phil, we really felt like in the Gerd Heuschmann's book, uh, there were several different things that we want wanted to cover. And one of them was the nine ethical principles of horsemanship. We may pull out a couple more from this book because they were really, really good. And we felt like it was a really good tip. It is on page nine of Gerd's book. And it's also from the German Equestrian Federation. So I'm going to start with number one. Anyone involved with a horse takes over responsibility of this living creature entrusted to him. Yeah, I, I thought the, these were really good. And, and Gerd like, puts them in the book and, and you know has these nice bullet point things that, that we should all remember you know mm-hmm. when, when we're working with horses or or you know so um you know this is kind of like why we thought it'd be great to just highlight highlight these things the second thing was the horse must be kept in a way that is in keeping with his natural living requirements right i think that's fairly self-explanatory but you know food water Turn out, you know things yeah, horse, yeah, horse, yeah. Mm-hmm. Needs to really, move movement yeah yeah i was gonna say and i think yeah. You know, again, you and I are in, are blessed with with really good fields and where we are, but I think really movement and good hay and water is important. Number three in the nine ethical principles of horsemanship, highest priority must be accorded to the physical as well as psychological health of the horse, irrespective of the purpose for which it is used. Yeah, go ahead. Number four, but because I think that, Number- you know, all these are pretty self-explanatory, just good reminders for us. Number four. Man must respect every horse alike, regardless of its breed, age, and sex for its use for breeding, for recreation, or in sporting competition. Number five, knowledge of the history of the horse, its needs, and how to handle it are part of our historical cultural heritage. This information must be cherished and safeguarded in order to be passed on to the future generations. I think this one is good because it's about uh, education, you know, and we need to continue to strive for historical education, as well as um, any new care information, you know, it's, it's, up to, it's up to us to be up to date on all of those things. Well, and I just want to say, you know, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, and one of the reasons that Phil and I do it is because it does make us 
better with education. We get to, you know, Phil and I selfishly get to talk to all of these people in the world that we feel like are really important to the sport. And so we're we're thankful that you guys listen because obviously you're listening because we want to get better. And I think we all want to get better and educate people and our students and our friends. So um, great for listening to us and reading the books and that kind of thing. I think we can only continue with education. Number six, contact and dealings with horses are character building experiences and of valuable significance to the development of the human being in particular, the horse person, and the young person, this aspect must always be respected and promoted. Yeah. So I I just think like, you know, um, dealing with horses has taught me so much as a person. You know, there's so many useful attributes that, that, you know, even if you are in horses as a young person and then you're out of it and then you come back to it, I mean, it's just such a rewarding experience and a learning experience about about yourself and about about, um, how you want to deal with horses and people and life. And uh, it's just, it's great. It's character building. That's, that's, it is that's what that was You know, and, and now, now that I have a little one, you know, my niece that, that we work in and, you know, it's, it's interesting to see it from her eyes and her little friend's eyes. And sometimes I get weepy calls, you know, that where she wants to learn, she wants to go to horse shows, but, and she wants to jump, but to jump, she has to practice. And we all know what happens. Sometimes you fall, sometimes it's not as good as it's supposed to be. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's character building and we are constantly getting our characters built and huh, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Number seven, the human who participates in equestrian sport with his horse must subject himself as well as his horse to training. The goal of training, any training, is to bring about the best possible harmony between rider and horse, not to be doing all the fancy moves and the tricks. Yep. So that's that's just a good a, a good reminder that it's about harmony. You know, even even if you uh, you know are are working on training level, it has to be. You know, it 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 will get re- rewarded from judges if if you are showing that you're a harmonious rider. Number eight. The use of horse in competition as well as in general riding, driving, and vaulting must be geared towards the horse's ability, temperament, and willingness to perform. Manipulating a horse's capacity to work by means of medication or other horse-unfriendly influences should be rejected by all people engaged in such practices should be prosecuted. And Phil, I think this has come up actually in in my um, coaching in the last little bit, and that is... I think deep down inside, you really have to think about what your horse wants. And sometimes your horse doesn't want to be an FEI horse. Sometimes your horse uh, maybe wants to jump. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's maybe not what you want for that horse or what your dreams stated, but sometimes you really have to look at that and, and, and think about that. And, and it's not that you should be prosecuted. I think that's not that we're saying, but some horses need different jobs. And so I think that's really important. Okay, well said. And number nine, the responsibility a human has for the horse entrusted to him includes the end of a horse's life. The human must always assume the responsibility and implement any decisions in the best interest of the horse. Yeah, even if it's I I think we've talked about this before. I mean, yeah, you got to have a plan. I think most horses will um, live longer than they're competitively useful. So, I know that you have, you know, you've had old horses you have to take care of, and I've had old horses that we have to take care of, and and that and that's what we owe to the horse. Yeah, yeah, and 
you know, I just lost one a couple weeks ago and, um, I had, she was 31 and I had her for 18 years. So I do think it is our responsibility. I can, you know, she competed with me for many years and then, um, she stepped down in her life and taught, um, all kinds of students. And then, um, she retired for the last five years. So I think we all, I think it's just a good reminder and in this day and age, it's expensive and, and you really have to plan. So, you know, even if it's just a savings account. So, uh, for that horse. So, um, I know I I've done it. I did it for her for 18 years or, you know, however many, 10 years or whatever. So, uh, just something to remember, but, um, these are really, I think we, that's why we wanted to cover them in this week's, uh, tip of the week, because we felt like they were really important as a good reminder for all of us. So again, um, you can find this on, we, we are reviewing this week, Gerd Heuschmann's balancing act. It really was a good book. We really recommend that you read it. Well, as always, everyone, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. We've got some great tips that I saw online this week, which I'm always watching. And uh, we also like emails. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and Trust Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Music